I want to dedicate this episode to my friend Eric, who passed away Thursday morning. He was he was a part of our gaming group. He he and I had played together for for about fifteen years now. Uh, he was a great player and a really great friend and just an all over great person. And we will miss him tremendously. Hey BJ, Daniel Keep listening to your uh, session recap. Sounds like you guys had a great time. Uh, that was a pretty cool journey. Uh, about the sleep spell, yeah, I mean, it, that is the magic user thing, right? I mean, it's, it, they basically, it's a I win button for a single combat generally at low level. Uh, if you do happen to have a magic user in your group that has it, then the in my mind, the real solution is just to have multiple combats so that they have to make a decision of when they want to use it. I think just having more enemies is kind of, I don't know, to me that's kind of taking away from the power of the magic user. Like, they, you know, BX magic users are weak, right? So, uh, in a lot of ways. But that just makes them awesome for that one minute. So, to me, I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't nerf it at all. I would just uh, have more combats, not so much have tougher combats. Also, man... That uh, player of the cleric that climbed up on the roof, that's exactly the kind of player that I like. <laughs> you know, it's like a lot of people would, would, I mean, it sounds like they tried multiple times. They thought of the idea with a stick to climb up there because they didn't have a grappling hook. They were focused on doing something different, not going through the front door, which is great. And then to know to destroy that evil sign, I mean, they, they deserve that, that, that victory. And it sounds like your players did an amazing job. So, yeah, sounds like a really cool session. I will listen to the rest of your podcast now. Thanks, Daniel. Um, yeah, that was a very fun session, um, and and I agree with you completely. That <laughs> players do creative things; they deserve um, a, a bit of a reward. Um, and and uh, I think if he had had not actually gotten up there, and, and I think I mentioned before, raced that rune, the the battle with the the spiders down below that everybody else were facing would have gone a lot been a lot more difficult. So, um, uh, yeah, that, that, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, when you, I think that's the kind of stuff that emerges in these more, um, you know, there's been some discussion whether BX and old school essentials are rules light, rules heavy, rules simple, rules complex, crunchy, not crunchy. But I think that's the kind of stuff that emerges when you have fewer things listed on your character sheet and it kind of, you kind of work with what you got. So uh, I was really pleased with the, the way that turned out. Um, and uh, as I go through our next session, we'll see how, <laughs> yeah, the sleep spell is, yeah, the wizard gets to win for one combat. And um, we'll see another example of that here in a little bit. But thanks for the calls. I appreciate it. And uh, I guess uh, to the, the my friend Dan, who plays the, uh, the cleric, I guess he's got a fan now in uh, Daniel Norton. Hey, Jason here. Just listen to your episode on Trolls. And I have to say, I hope in your game, when the Troll King shows up in human disguise, he looks like David Bowie. In fact, I kind of hope he looks like David Bowie, even when he's not in human disguise. But, yeah, as far as The Broken Sword and Three Hearts, Three Lions, great books. And if anybody has has not read them and has Kindle Unlimited... The last time I checked, both were available to read on Kindle Unlimited. So just throw that out there. But yeah, I really like the the world building and, and the vibe you're going for. Look forward to the next one. And, and I look forward to your entry 
in Joe's Dark Fairy Tale Contest, where we call in Dark Fairy Tales. So, take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jason. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate the, the compliments. And, you know, I think you brought brought it up a couple times in our ex- exchanges of messages about uh, Three Hearts and Three Lions and the Broken Sword. Folks, it's available Kindle for free, even if you don't have the Kindle subscription. They're fairly inexpensive short books. Go read it. They are so important to the history of fantasy fiction broadly, not just to D&D, but to, to, to fantasy fiction in general. Just just go get those books. Read them. You, you can't go wrong. They're they're great stuff. Um, and yeah, I will uh, we'll try to put something together for, for Joe's Dark Fairy Tale Contest. Uh, and what Jason is referring to is uh, Joe Richter's Hindsightless Podcast, where he's recently given his um, players a book of fairy tales and then figured out he had to write a fairy tale uh, because the players wanted to know what fairy tales were in the book. And he issued a challenge to other his other listeners to submit a short, creepy uh, fairy tale-type story, and he'll compile them uh, and, into some kind of... I don't, I don't know if he wants to just read them, read them on a show, but if it's interesting enough, he might even put them together in a published document. Who knows? So I will – I got a couple ideas. I will definitely get something in for that and uh, send it over to Joe there. So thanks again for the call, Jason. We almost didn't play uh, this week. Uh, as, as I mentioned at the top of the, the episode, uh, a friend, my friend Eric died. He was part of the group that are playing in the mythic world of Erd. And we, we, we considered not playing, you know, just because, you know, because he had just passed away just suddenly and unexpectedly. Um, but then we decided, let's go ahead and get together and, and share a few memories. You know, when we start start off, we're playing online. When everybody log in, let's we'll chat about it a little bit, see how we feel, and then, and then play kind of to honor his memory. Um, we also decided after we, we everybody logged on tonight and we talked about it to keep his character around as an NPC that they can come to for, for help when they need. He's, he's a cleric and his background was, was, was an herbalist. So I thought this is a good resource that they can, they can fall back on for healing or potions or herbal remedies, things like that from time to time. And then Eric, um, his spirit will live on <laughs> in the campaign setting as, as a an ally and, and su- supporting character for for the main adventuring party. So, uh, from last time, if you guys you might recall, you may not. Their objective was they decided they wanted to go into the woods to the foresters' camp where these foresters had been driven out, and said some of their the other foresters that were camped there with them were kidnapped in the night, and they don't know what became of them by goblins and the rest of them. Tried to fe- fight, and ultimately had to run off and, and come back down to the vicinity of the castle. Uh, so the party is going to venture forth into the woods and, and investigate this camp and see what they can figure out. <clears throat> they wake up, and as they're waking up in the morning in their own encampment there in the canopies section, uh, there is a peregrine falcon sitting on a post, screeching at them and kind of hopping back and forth on, from one foot to the next to get their attention. Uh, and upon investigation, the fal- it has a uh, message tube tied to one foot along with three empty glass, vo- small glass vials. 
the note inside the tube is addressed to the wizard Celestina. Uh, and it is from the the arch wizard that lives in the castle that, that she tried to get an audience with before and failed. Couldn't even get anybody to answer the door. Uh, and it says, you know, this, this falcon is my familiar. She'll fly back to the castle once the message is delivered. Uh, if you can bring me three vials of goblin blood, then you will be admitted to my tower. So she takes the uh, the vials, and the party sets out. Uh, we had a kind of a, a, before that a kind of an amusing interlude first there, where uh, the uh, the the paladin of the group, Sir Roderick, was kind of fascinated by the falcon, I guess, and he tried to grab it and stuff it in his backpack. Uh, until they were like, wait, 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 this is the wizard's familiar. We probably don't want to get on his bad side. Um, you know, the falcon fought back, but couldn't get through his armor uh, with its with its beak and its claws, so uh, he let the falcon go. Uh, but as we go through the session, you'll see he's, he's having his character develop an interest in falconry, uh, which is pretty cool. And we'll have to figure out a way to resolve that as, as a character arc for him. So as they're departing the canopies and heading out the gate to uh, to to head to the forest, which is about a half mile trek to the um, to the to foresters' camp, it's about a quarter mile to the edge of the forest and then a quarter mile into the forest, as they understand from the foresters telling them where how to find their camp. Um, at the gate, they encountered Jessup, the NPC that accompanied them last session, who had promised to show them the location of a treasure if they and he would split it with them if they would help him get it so he asked them you know where are you going what are you doing <clears throat> and they tell him what they're going to do and it's pretty clear he he kind of wants to join them he, he's too anxious or nervous to ask uh and so one of the clerics Kane, um negotiates with him a little bit on on a you know how much they would pay him a day to tend to the pack animals and perhaps you know jessup has outfitted himself with a a bow and arrow and a short sword with, with his share of the treasure. So, you know, he might also serve as an archer if we get into a really bad scrape, but primarily tin camp, lead the, lead the pack animals, you know, and function like that. So he agrees to a price. Um, and uh, so I guess that technically makes him a mercenary instead of a retainer, but I, I think he's going to become the party's first retainer as we kind of flesh him out a little bit. I've, I've depicted him as kind of twitchy and anxious and a little nervous. Um, and even though he's never really been, <clears throat> like I said, he's not fully for a step, but I think he's going to wind up being a thief. But his class, anyway, is going to be a thief because they don't have a thief in the party and they might be able to use him for picking locks and things like that if, if they want to keep him around, if they want to take him into dungeons. Um, <clears throat> and he may become more of a retainer than just a simple hireling. Uh Anyway, so Jessup is going to go with them today on this adventure as well and, and tend to the, the pack mule that they're bringing along with them. Uh, so I had the players roll for a random encounter, and we came up with a random encounter, uh, which last time I didn't roll any random encounters, so I will let them roll for it since I can't seem to get one to, to occur. Uh, so they rolled a random encounter. I rolled on the tables in the Old School Essentials uh, section on monsters and, and random encounters, and rolled for a giant lizard, the uh, the Tuatara type of giant lizard. I think that's how you say it, Tuatara. Anyway, it's the nastiest one. So they, they there was no surprise. So it comes scurrying out from the brush, 
And my intention was that it was going to shoot straight for the pack mule and just go past the, the people um, as a predator <coughs> and go for the pack mule. Um, but there was no surprise, and then the party won initiative. So they just start attacking this giant lizard before anything else can kind of shake out. And it becomes a, a immediate fight in between them shooting at it and then charging up and kind of getting in its face. It loses sight of the pack mule and it starts to fight with the uh, the members of the party. <laughs> and it it w- didn't go well for the, the group. Um, I think every, all but out of six players, six player characters, only two were uninjured. Uh, Roderick, the paladin, his, his armor was too, the thing could never get past his armor. Um, and then the wizard, because she never got close enough to, to, to be in, in melee range, um, was trying to save her spells, so she was just uh, shooting at it with a crossbow um, and did a little bit of damage to it. But uh, everybody else was having a hard time hitting it because it had a pretty good, pretty good armor class. Uh, and it manages to deal out pretty significant damage. It dropped two of the players, the, the, you know, Ergosh the orc and Harold the fighter, who are two of the tougher members of the party. They actually dropped to zero. And uh, how how I run it for uh, for old school essentials BX is that if you get dropped, you've got a round before you actually die once you hit zero hit points. So you're not dead dead. If if someone can do something in the next round to apply healing, then they can save you. Uh, but a lot can happen. You know, if you, you lose initiative or people who have not gone yet, haven't moved, particularly clerics may need to reposition themselves uh, with their movement because once they declare they're going to cast a spell, they can't move anymore. So they, they need to now, if they can still act in this round, get in a position to heal so that they can declare they're casting a spell and then hope they don't get hit. Um, well, that worked out for them. The two clerics were at one was standing, Roderick, the pal- he, was, he was standing right next to somebody that fell. And Kane, the other cleric, was able to take one last kind of pot shot with his mate, uh, Warhammer and then back up and move around to, to where the, another person had fallen. So they got their, their two, each one of them had one cure light wound spells. They got those off and were able to save their party members. And then Dolly, the dwarf, <laughs> she got lucky with some rolls. She got a, she got a critical hit in there. And, and so this fight that was about to go badly for all of them, just in, in a two, two rounds, she managed to do enough damage to the... Uh, giant lizard that it finally ran I mean, it failed a morale um and it, it ran off but uh, they had it on the ropes anyway it probably would have uh probably would have wound up defeating it outright but anyway ran away so they got their experience for that uh so they, they go back they just, just, just screw it we're going home they go back uh, to their encampment and rest for a couple of days to uh to re- recover their hit points and get another round of, of healing spells uh in the meantime, Celestina, the wizard, goes back to the castle, approaches the wizard's tower, and she's just going to, I just wanted to ask, I think, why do you want this goblin blood anyway? Well, she doesn't get admitted, but you need know, a little slot that opens up. You know, like in The Princess Bride, where Miracle Mask Max opens the, the slot in the door to see what somebody wants. He's got a slot in the door, well, but the door, the slot opens, and it's this younger kid. Uh, and this is Nathan, who is the apprentice to the wizard. With so the, the arch wizard, we finally established a name was was Olivier or Olivier, um, and this is his apprentice Nathan, who's who's you know just starting out, just a kid. 
Uh, and he says, I have no idea why he wants the goblin blood, but I know I'm not supposed to let you in here till you come back with it. Uh, but I would assume it has some benefit for casting a spell or some kind of magical procedure. Uh, and he lets her know that, you know, he's not a... The, the arch wizard, Olivier, is not a bad guy, but he's and he's not really stern particularly. He's not a real warm, engaging person, but he but he's not mean or cranky or crabby. He's just he's, he's kind of distant and, and very kind of clinical and straightforward. So um, she gets a little information about the, the arch wizard's personality that way and then uh, <clears throat> returns to the party. Roderick also goes to the castle. He, and starts asking around about how he can learn falconry um, and is informed that, you know, that's usually a pursuit of nobles and probably if he could somehow get in with the, the, the retinue of the, the, the castellan who are, who are among the nobility, he might find somebody who could give him some pointers or, or get him started. Uh, but he's going to have to somehow uh, make contact with with the, you know, castellan and his, his uh, group people out in the, the outer bailey where it's just kind of a trading post there's nobody really on, on hand to, to tell him anything about that so he um but he does buy a some meat and a weighted net uh i assume to maybe capture try to capture a wild falcon if he, if he comes across one um and so he and celestina leave the keep go meet the party everybody's you know rest you know they're doing this while the, the, the more injured members are resting and re- regaining all their hit points. So once everybody's kind of fully back to to 100%, they sit out again. They manage not to, to roll in a random encounter. They make it all the way to the forester's camp and uh, come up through the trees. And what they discover is there are six goblins led by a hobgoblin, and they are working a group of humans in these pits, and there's smoke billowing out of the pits. Uh, and there's some some hand carts. Um, there's one at each of these three pits, and there's smoke coming out from them. So they know there are people in the pits, and there are some other humans who are who are grabbing. There's two big piles of of chopped up uh, wood, where they they felled some trees, and they're they're kind of pitching logs into these pits. Um, so the party fans out and is able to kind of surround them and come at them from three directions. Uh, one thing that uh, a couple of them notice as, as they're spreading out to, to get things started is that when Jessup hits the shadows, you know, between a couple of denser trees, he just appears to vanish completely. So maybe another hint at kind of what his his total skill set is. Uh, and he does wind up killing a goblin during the during the battle that comes up from uh, popping up, you know in the shrubs from, from seemingly out of nowhere and, and sniping one of them. So, uh, but the party by and large drove the action there. They, they spread out, they surrounded, they started with missile fire. They tried to ambush them. You know, some of the goblins jumped in the pit. So they had partial cover, uh, and began, there's just volleys of, of arrow fire back and forth. Um, while a couple of other people tried to flank around and, and come at them from the other side of the camp. Um, Ergosh is the only one who made it into the camp. He, he got around the perimeter and came in from behind. Uh, while he was doing that, Harold, the fighter, was uh, kept trying to shoot with with his longbow, kept trying to shoot the hobgoblin and kept missing. And I think he kind of wanted to call the hobgoblin out or, or kill the hobgoblin and, and claim that as his, his victory. Um, but as soon as 
Urgosh comes into camp, the, the hobgoblin is like, no, 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 the orc is mine, and runs forward to uh, to engage Urgosh, which kind of ticked Harold off. <coughs> so, uh, um, and the, the wizard Celestina starts creep, you know, creeping forward, wanting to cast her sleep spell again. Well, she gets shot with an arrow, and it takes her down. I mean, nearly kills her, but she gets close enough within range, and she starts casting the spell. Um, and on the round, you know, the round she starts casting the spell, the party also loses initiative. So that goblin that was shooting at her got another shot, and he just by one. By, by one, just Mr. Armor Class by one. Arrow whizzes by her. We resolve all the the, the, the weapon combat that is going on for, for the rest of the round. And then Urgosh nearly kills the hobgoblin, doesn't quite get him. Uh, she gets her sleep spell off. The goblins and the hobgoblin all fall asleep. Um, if uh, Jessup hadn't killed that one goblin, <laughs> she would not have... Uh, because because she, the two d eight the roll, if that one go- goblin had already been killed, probably the hobgoblin wouldn't have succumbed to the sleep spell because he was the strongest of the the ones in the area of effect. Um, but because they had taken out one goblin, uh, everybody else fell asleep, including the hobgoblin. So the coup de gras, uh, the down goblins and hobgoblin, Celestina gets her three vials of blood. They question the the foresters who tell them kind of their version of events that, yeah, the goblins came in the night, they kidnapped us, um, hauled us through the woods, blindfolded us, hauled us through the woods. We, we know we were kept in a cave. They brought us back the next day and had us continuing to burn charcoal. That's what these pits are. They're, they're burning charcoal. Um, and then, you know, we would have to load up these carts and, and go back through the woods to the caves and then come back the next day and, and do it again. But they blindfolded us to and from so we don't know we, we they, they can generally pinpoint somewhere to the northeast is where the this the ca- these caverns are where the goblins seem to be layering um, but they can't give them any specific more specific than that as far as distance or precise location so again everybody had taken a little bit of damage and, and was kind of beat up even though they all survived the encounter so they decided you know we need to go back and regroup again uh, so they escort the foresters back to the canopies who reunite them with their, their friends and family. And their next order of business is going to be go, to go back and try to find the goblins' headquarters. They've still got this quest that the, the dwarves want them to go uh, check on their mines. You know, the dwarves had bugbears had come in and driven out the dwarves. Um, but they, I think they, the party said they wanted to try and find these goblin caverns and deal with that first. So so that's what they're going to do for next time. We we finished the session, the final thing, with all of them going to the wizard's tower. <clears throat> and so the, you know, the <laughs> Naden, the apprentice, opens the door thinking he's just going to let Celestina come in. She comes in, but then everybody else just kind of barges in and, and roughshod <laughs> before he can shut the door. So the, you know, the, this arch wizard comes down the stairs. They're kind of in this foyer. And introduces himself. He's a little, seems like he's a little aggravated that it's not just the, the wizard that he had he had invited to uh, bring him the goblin blood, but they're all there. So he just kind of, you know, he kind of sour about it for a second, then he shrugs it off. Um, and so he explains two two reasons he he asked her to get the the goblin's blood. One, he he wants to research this troll magic that that causes the goblins to continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. The longer they live, he wants to understand that. So the the blood is something he's going to use to help study that. But it was also kind of a test for Celestina. 
to kind of see kind of what kind of wizard she was because he had kind of was kind of aware that she had come in with these refugees from from this village to the south um and so talk you know where, where did you learn your magic well i'm an astronomer and the, the person who taught me basic astronomy also taught me a few a couple of spells and put me on the path to being a wizard um and he says well he, he thanks her for the blood and you know she kind of passed his little test and so when it's time for her to learn a new spell you know i.e level up <laughs> he'd be happy to teach her uh, another spell when she's ready to, to come back and he'll do that um, and that he will also let the Castellan know what the, the party in general has done to, to rescue these uh, kidnapped foresters. Um, and then he tells the, the party, and, and he also tells Celestina that, that you know, if she's going to be around in the area for a while and she survives and continues to prove herself, he might also write her a letter of recommendation to join the Arcane Lodge that he belongs to so that she has access to other scrolls and and methods and can find other higher level wizards to continue to teach her new spells uh and because that's part of the uh the setup or the lore in the mythic world of Erda, that's kind of how wizards work they, they belong to arcane societies and, and lodges and that's how they trade information and 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 uh manage their they're they're just part of a guild you know that's that's how it works so you know most no wizards need access to higher level wizards because as they gain levels they'll need someone to help them sort out either teach them new spells or places they can ob- obtain the kind of uh, artifacts or, or writing or, or information they'll need to, to develop them on their own so so that's a, a will be a boon for her down the road uh, then he tells the whole party in addition to letting the Castellan know what they've done if they come across, any artifacts, magic items, or anything else during their endeavors, bring them to him, and he'll examine them and, and try to help him figure out what they are. And if it's something he's interested in, he he might be interested in bartering, trading. There's no monetary value attached to these kind of artifacts or to magic items, but that's kind of another thing wizards do in in the setting is they they trade, they barter, and um, either they'll swap items or they'll exchange favors. Uh, you know, well, if you, if you give me that, I'll do this for you. Um, and that's how they, they do it. So they, then they'll do that for other people, too, for adventurers. Uh, when that happens, Roderick remembers that he still has this horn he ripped off of the, the body of the demonic serpent during the first adventure, the, the, the death funnel adventure, when he was a zero-level character. Uh, so he's like, well, hey, what, what's this? So the the wizard examines it, and he recognizes it as a horn of some kind of demonic creature. He says, well, we could grind it down and use it in any number of... Uh, spells and rituals but i think it could also be with with the right tooling and 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 shaping and and enchantments could maybe become a, something you could use to pr- detect the presence of chaos uh in places um so the wizard says i'm gonna i'll look into this let me read up on this and do a little bit of research and i'll let you know if i figure something out and we can talk about terms of if you want me to do create this item for you or or, or uh enchant this turn it into what kind of let me find out what i can turn it into and then we'll talk about what you can do for me in exchange for that um that service so that's where we left off Uh, when we play again next time they're going to i guess it'll be a little bit of a hex crawl because they don't know exactly they have a general idea but they 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 got a swath of land you know everything on the map is within a day's journey of the 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 castle but uh, you know 
you know, with random encounters and a couple other hidden things on the map that they may come across depending on where they go. Um, just finding the goblin, entrance to the goblin's lair might be uh, quite an adventure in and of itself. Um, so that's where we left off, and uh, next time we play, I'll have another breakdown. And humorously enough, I, I got to add this, Harold uh, <laughs> spent the entire, after the encounter with the, the, the lizard, spent the entire, uh, his player did a great job, entire session obsessing over hating lizards and how much he hates lizards now, and he's going to go back and kill every lizard in the forest, and he wants to know how many are out there. Um, he's going to get his revenge. Uh, and then not getting able to kill the hobgoblin, he's he's also now determined to find the goblin's lair because he wants to fight a cob, you know, mano a mano, fight a hobgoblin because uh, he didn't get to <laughs> the forester's camp. So they're going to go find the goblin lair so he can fight a hobgoblin and hopefully kill all the lizards they can find along the way. So I want to thank um, Daniel from the Bandits Keep. Uh, check out his podcast and his YouTube channel. Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Check out his podcast. We also kind of made a a uh, passing reference to Joe Richter at the High and Sightless podcast. Uh, check out his podcast if you want to. He, he primarily plays uh, Pathfinder, but he plays in some other games as well. Uh, and he's just a generally entertaining guy to listen to. So, so check out his stuff. Um, uh, particularly be on the lookout for in a few episodes i guess hopefully i'll submit a fairy tale for his little contest um so check out all that great stuff read some pal anderson be sure to do that uh, no excuse for a fantasy fan not to pick up pal anderson three hearts and three lions and or the broken sword um i want to thank my players we had a great time this week um really enjoyable session once again uh i want to thank uh our friend Bobby Walker for again setting up our our rule set on fantasy grounds. Uh, check out his financial advice and planning stuff at RamseyCoach.com/slash/cashguide. Uh, maybe he has some stuff there that can help you out. And again, uh, Dave Bone, one player, our players, check him out at Ironseer.com online at his website. That's Ironseer.com, uh, where he puts up screen captures and summaries of our, our games, not only our, our old school game with the Mythic World of Erd, but also some of the other games we play in. Uh, Traveler, 2nd Edition D&D, um, so, and some other stuff related to both role-playing games and war games there. So check out ironseer.com, see more about our games, this one and the others we play, and a lot of other cool stuff. Uh, and finally, once again, you know, Eric... We love you. We miss you. We're going to miss you. Rest in peace. Thanks again for listening to the Arcane Alienist podcast. I'll be back again in the near future with another one. Take care.